Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks. I am Tam and there is no Renee today. You want to know why? You guys already know why. Because Renee actually partied too hard this past weekend and he lost his voice. So there is no Renee for today's podcast. If you recall from the last episode, Renee went on a EDM cruise. And if you guys are wondering what is an EDM cruise, basically, He went on a cruise that left Los Angeles and went to Mexico. And for four days straight, all he did was party and listen to EDM music. And of course, I'm sure he was drinking and all that great stuff. And he lost his voice. The sad thing is Renee came back and he still had to go to work. But unfortunately, he couldn't really work because he lost his voice. And if you guys know anything about What Renee does, he actually works in the medical field, so they put him on desk duty. I hope I wasn't supposed to share all his business, but we're family here. So let's just jump right into it. Oh, if you guys wanted to know what I did this weekend, of course, I watched Talladega. And if you can tell just a little bit, I lost my voice as well, because although the race was, uh, how can I say this? It was a little blah, but those last couple of laps, I found myself screaming at the TV. I think I did more screaming than Kurt Busch. (laughs) Before we jump into everything that happened with Kurt Busch, those last couple of laps, let's give you guys a quick recap of the top 10. Well, actually, I won't give you guys the top 10 from Talladega because at this point, it doesn't matter. It's all about the playoff drivers. So I will give you a refresher course. And can you say course? But I'll give you guys a quick refresher. Wait, is refresher a word? Okay, you guys know what I mean. So I will give you guys a quick review of the playoff drivers and where they placed at Talladega as well as where they currently are in the playoff settings. Eric Amarola was your winner. His teammate Clint Boyer came in second. Joy Logano came in fifth. Kyle Larson, 11th. Kurt Busch, 14th. Martin Truex Jr., 23rd. Kyle Busch, 26th. Brad Keselowski, 27th. Kevin Harvick, 28th. Ryan Blaney, 29th. Chase Elliott, 31st. And Alex Bowman came in 33rd. As far as the playoff standings go, Eric Amarola is on top. He leads all playoff drivers in points. Along with Chase Elliott, he is already guaranteed a spot in the round of eight thanks to his win at Talladega. And of course, Chase Elliott has also won a race in this round of the playoffs. Next up is Kevin Harvick. He's in third. Kyle Busch is in fourth. Joy Logano, fifth. Kurt Busch, sixth. Clint Boyer, seventh. And Martin Truex Jr. is in eighth. The other four playoff drivers that still remain in the round of eight but are on the verge of elimination include Brad Keselowski at ninth, Ryan Blaney at tenth, Kyle Larson in 11th, and Alex Bowman in 12th. If the playoffs were to start today, those four drivers are 
out of here. And Alex Bowman, it looks like he's out of here regardless because the only way he can get into the round of eight is with a win. I'm not counting the young guy out, but being realistic, I'm not sure if it can happen. Kyle Larson, as well as Ryan Newman, I think there's a possibility they can get in based on points if something significant happens to the top eight drivers. But don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure. But I do know Alex Bowman needs a win to get in the next round. So let's see what he's able to do at Kansas. That would be really interesting for Brad Keselowski not to advance to the round of eight. Because if you guys recall, the big three dominated most of the season, but Brad Kozlowski kind of came came on pretty strong and rattled off a couple of wins towards the end of the regular season. I guess everything is interesting at this point. I can read all some of the fan comments, but I'll save that for a little later. What we can talk about is Kurt Busch. Poor Kurt, depending on how you look at it. Was NASCAR against him? Was it just a fluke? You already know what happened. Kurt Busch led 108 laps of the race, but did not win. He did not win because he ran out of gas. According to Kurt and many people who were watching, including myself, there were some questionable calls at the end. There was a no caution, and then there was extra laps added while we were under caution. There were two accidents towards the end of the race. One of the accidents, they added, I believe it was two extra caution laps, which that's a whole nother conversation. Should we be running laps under caution? It just seems as if it was one too many laps added under caution. And then the second blown call, according to Kurt, was when NASCAR did not throw the caution out. They did not there was an accident where the medical team was dispatched, but yet there was no caution. The race continued. Now, why this was questionable and why many NASCAR fans were upset, the truck race, it was a similar situation and the caution came out. In Kurt Busch's situation, obviously had the caution come out if there wasn't the extra laps while we were under caution for the other accident, he would have won the race. You can't be mad at him. Well, although many people are because unfortunately, people still think it's the old Kurt and they're just mad and hating, even though Kurt makes a valid point. I think I may have to side with Kurt Bush. It was just too much going on that didn't really make sense. I'm not sure if it was set up for him to fail. But then again, you didn't have just one. You had two questionable calls towards the end. Hmm. That's one of those, hmm, makes you think. I'm not sure what happened, but I think I will take the side and say that Kerbush was robbed of a win. I don't know. What do you guys think? That's all I'm going to say about Talladega because at this point, we're on to Kansas. It is what it is. I will switch gears a bit and talk about your boy, Dale Jr. Dale Jr.'s book dropped. Hopefully you guys pre-ordered it, but if you didn't, it is available now. The book is titled Racing to the Finish, and it's from every review that I've read, because I haven't read the book yet, but I will. It's a pretty good book. The book was co-authored 
by Ryan McGee from ESPN. And, and it's the only book that is authorized by Dale Jr. So there are a lot of books out there, but this is the only book that's actually authorized by Dale Jr. himself. And according to Amazon, this book is pretty revealing and it's an inside track on his final year of racing and retirement from the driver's seat. And from everything that I've heard, as you guys know, Dell is currently on a media tour. And from everything that I've read, this book is actually pretty crazy because it's based on a diary that Dell has started keeping. This book is his words from cushions and stuff. And this book, this diary that he was keeping this to be something in case something happened to him. The book seems pretty deep. The book is available at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and wherever else you buy your books. What else is going on in NASCAR? Oh, your girl, Jenna Fryer. Some people said she had a meltdown. I won't say she had a meltdown. Basically, she just had a lot to say on Twitter. Go to her Twitter account, read it for yourself. If you're not familiar with Jenna Fryer, her Twitter account is J-E-N-N-A-F-R-Y-E-R. Jenna went against the machine that is NASCAR and she voiced her opinion. I'm not sure how you consider that a meltdown. She just let you know how she felt about everything that was going on in NASCAR. A lot of it had to do with driver availability. You can head over to her Twitter account and check it out. I'll read a couple of her tweets. So you have somewhat of an idea of what was going on. Uh, let's see. Let me find a few at random. She says, speaking up out of sadness from watching a slow, prolonged death is apparently forbidden on the social media. If things don't change, this sport, and she's talking about NASCAR, is in a lot more trouble than it already is. The end. Good night. Let's see. So she also, well, I think this was one of the tweets that kind of kicked it all off. But she says, is there anything more annoying than all the photos from NASCAR and industry people from their charter jets in the air while the winter news conference is still going on? Then everyone else has hours of work to do and won't get home for another day. That sparked a whole bunch of conversation, bunch of comments. People were upset. Some people saw it her way. It just kind of took a life of its own. People chimed in. And again, I'm just reading from her timeline. There was a reply that says, are they supposed to wait around until you finish work? Question mark. They have no reason to stay after their media obligations. And then she replied and said, what media obligations? Media obligations are a joke. There was another commenter that says, staying until the press leaves seems like a good idea. And it's pretty much standard practice in other sports. She replied and said, no one is asking for them to stay until the bitter end, but it's next to impossible to do an effective job when the main event, the reason we all come, ends and everyone gets the hell out of Dodge. All other sports have locker rooms, mixed zones and access. Both of them make a good point. Okay, let's see. A lot of these tweets were deleted. People didn't stand by their words. Interesting. She also goes on and says, and for people who think I am whining and complaining, come check out how little media is still coming to NASCAR races and start asking why that is. As someone who borders media and fan 
I guess that's the correct way to say it. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. I get it. I don't really speak up. If you have listened to a couple of our podcasts, especially the podcast, well, there have been three significant podcasts that we have really kind of let loose. Episode 100, where we told you guys our thoughts on NASCAR and racism. If you are new to the show, I beg you to check it out. It's actually a good episode. The other episode that we pretty much addressed everything and our thoughts about NASCAR is episode 80, where we talk about is NASCAR broken? And on the last episode, or maybe that was episode 100, there was a podcast that I talked about not having a seat in the media room. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I've had, even though I have a hard card, nobody really respects me. And I'm going to go on record and saying that I've not had a seat in the media room. I've been denied credentials. One time I was denied by a track, a parking pass. Really? What harm is it in giving me a parking pass? They said, because I missed a deadline to apply for a parking pass. And you want to know why media is not covering NASCAR. I'm going to leave it at that because I'm not here to crucify or vilify anybody. One other thing I want to talk about, and this is not NASCAR related, but it's racing related. There was some news that dropped about the new W Series. The W Series is a women's only I guess you can say starter or feeder series for Formula One. And so many people had so much to say. I actually found myself kind of having a few exchanges on text message with one of our dear friends of the show. And I think he thought I was mad. I wasn't mad. I was just trying to get him and I won't say who it is, but he's listening. I was just trying to get him to see the point of both sides. I feel as if people are entitled to their opinion, whether you agree or you disagree. And many people disagree with the W Series. Many people, such as myself, think that is great. Why not have a series for women? I get the point. People are saying some of the money could be attributed to getting these women in Formula One, but it's simple, simple mathematics. It's a simple thing. I learned very early in life. You can't tell people how to spend their money. Maybe whoever's back in the W series has the resources, but who are we to tell them not to start a series and to spend all their money backing a select few drivers so they can run in Formula One? Who's to say even with the backing that these women would get in Formula One or be allowed to race in Formula One? It's an interesting Time to be alive. It's an interesting scenario. We'll see how it all plays out. It begs the question, should we have an all-female NASCAR series? I know it wouldn't be supported. I'm just throwing it out there for, as we would say, S-H-I-T and giggles. Moving on. First of all, I think we said last week that it was going to be the shortest podcast in history, but I think this will be the shortest podcast in history because it's just me, myself, and I talking. And since it's, well, you know what? I'm not alone. I have you guys, like I said earlier, the fans. And on that note, I think I want to jump into a fan comment of the week. 
I'll read a few. It's been a while since we've actually covered the fan comment of the week on the podcast, but since it's just me, why not? Well, I got to stop saying that because I have you guys, friends to the show. We did our first Twitter chat in a long time, hashtag NASCAR talk. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it happens on Mondays. We changed the time this Monday. We did our hashtag NASCAR talk at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That way more of you guys can join in. We asked a couple of questions. You guys answered. I am going to read a few of those questions and a few of you guys' answers. Is that okay with you? Great. We posed a question. Oh, and this was about Jenna Fryer. We simply wrote yesterday, Jenna Fryer took to Twitter and voiced her issues with NASCAR. While some fans agreed, she also received a lot of backlash. If you could change one thing about NASCAR, what would it be? Be honest and don't hold back. Hashtag NASCAR talk. Mo underscore outlaw 41. He chimed in and said, LOL, laugh out loud. Be consistent with their cause. It's total BS. I can see why fans are leaving in droves. It is a sad state of affairs for drivers and fans. Bill Steinbach III, his user is Bill underscore Steiny3. He chimed in and said, the cost to participate and the fan experience. If it's cheaper, more sponsors can afford it. Fan experience. How many tracks have garbage Wi-Fi, expensive food, and hotels are nowhere to be found? I'm 22. I want to post my day there on social media. Better, but still needs work. OMG. And I'm saying OMG because he's 22. As somebody who is frequently at the track, I don't even want to discuss the Wi-Fi. There was one episode where we went into depth and I broke it down, my thoughts about the hotels. Find that episode. I wish I remembered what episode it was. I have to double check. Maybe I'll leave it in the show notes. But the hotel situation sucks. There's no other way to say it. Moving on. Great and Bun, his user is Smooth Operator. That's O-P-E-R 880-R. He chimed in and said, answer is simple, but complicated. Put stock back in stock car racing. If I could, I would make the racing series more of a proving ground like the old days, not saying completely out of the showroom, but more applicable things between the two. Justifies OEMs of racing expenses. This is true because there's definitely no stock in stock car racing. Let's take another question. Oh, this one's a good question. We ask, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, and Eric Amarola have won a playoff race. Do you think one of the big three will win the championship? If so, who? If not, who? Tweet us your championship winning driver. Hashtag NASCAR talk. 48% of the vote said yes. 29% of the vote said no. And 23% of the vote said tough call. Some comments to that question. Let's see. Ryan Goodrum, he chimed in and said that four team looks so good right now. And more importantly, their pit stops have been solid. Mick Rose, his user is GoDucks42 underscore Mick. He said, would love to see Larson get to the final four, but they just aren't there as a team yet. Harvick is the one who will be or who will win the championship. Interesting. Dave Harris, his user is Give Me a Project. He also said, I think Harvick. 
Hashtag number four, the cup. Let's take one last question from our Twitter chat. We saw a different type of racing at Talladega. Cars were spread out. There was single file racing, a good portion of the race, and only one car had a DNF. Can you get behind this type of racing at Talladega in the future? Yes, no, thoughts, hashtag NASCAR talk. 46% of you guys voted hell no. 23% voted yes, and 31% voted and said the race was not cool. And a lot of people chimed in on that. A few tweets included Charlie Balls. His user is Charlie B-O-W-L-E-S 6. He says, I think the rules changes for next year are going to make it a bigger mess. The racing was good. SHR as in Stuart House Racing teamwork was top notch all day. I'm not quite sure about what the rules package will bring next year, but just as a reminder, NASCAR has taken off the restrictor plates next year. But although they're taking off the restrictor plates, the way the package is going to be designed is going to balance out. So it's not like the cars are going to go faster. So don't believe the misconception that no restrictor plates equals faster cars because technically it does, but it won't in this case because the way the aero package and everything else is going to be designed, it won't. Let's see. Patrick R. Drone, Martin and Ryan Truex fan, his user is Patrick Drone 78. He writes, I was mostly in and out for taking something for a headache. From what I saw, the racing was different. At least they didn't have the big one. I could watch and get used to racing Dega different. We forgot all about the fact that there wasn't a big one at Dega. I forgot. I'm sure you forgot. I guess we were so caught up in the drama with Kurt Busch at the end that no one actually realized that there was not a big one. Last comment for the day. This is chosen at random. But I'm going to choose Kobe's comment and ask Kobe Lambert. He also was our random Twitter winner for our giveaway. We gave away a book on the Twitter and the book was called Supercars. And we have a few books that we'll be giving away. Head over to our Twitter account and the book will also be listed on our website allturnsnobreaks.com for more information about the book because it's actually a good book. So these books, we have a few of them and we have a F1 book. We have a supercar book. We have a Ford book. We have some calendars. We actually have a bunch of things to give away. So head over to our website for more information about this book series. So Kobe says, it was very different. Reminded me of a plate race from the late 1990s. I've never seen a team, and he put in parentheses, SHR, so dominant since the DEI days. I'm not sure what the future holds at super speedways. Taper spacers replacing restrictor place in 2019, starting at Talladega, hashtag NASCAR. Haha, somebody used the word taper spacers. Okay, oh my God, guys, I cannot believe I've talked this much by myself. I think this is a sign for me moving forward. And the sign is maybe I'll talk too much. Let's wrap up this show because I'm not quite sure how receptive you guys will be to me doing a show solo, but hopefully you enjoyed everything that I've had to say on this episode of the podcast. On that note, it is time for some productions. 
It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Renee's not here to give his predictions, but he did text me his thoughts. You guys want to know who Renee has to win at Kansas? Renee is going to go with the number 78, as in Martin Truex Jr. for the win. And his alternative pick is Kyle Busch, as in Mr. Rowdy. As for my picks, nothing's changed. Renee's not here, but as always, I'm going to give you guys a history lesson before I give you my picks. We race twice a year at Kansas. We didn't always race twice a year at Kansas. We started racing twice a year in Kansas in 2011. Up until that time, we only raced one time a year. There have been four active drivers to have 25 starts at Kansas, and they include Ryan Newman, Matt Kenseth, Kurt Busch, and Kevin Harvick. There have been three drivers to win two races at Kansas, and of course that includes Matt Kenseth, Joy Logano, and Martin Truex Jr. After all, there is no way in 25 stars Matt should not have at least two wins. And then, of course, we have a pair of three-time winners at Kansas, and that is Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Harvick. I did it a little bit different because usually I give you guys the past 10 winners, but I gave you a little bit of history as well as the notables first. Our past 10 winners at Kansas, and again, this is the late race in Kansas, includes Jimmy Johnson in 2008, Tony Stewart 2009, Great Biffle 2010, Jimmy Johnson, 2011, Matt Kenseth, 2012, Kevin Harvick, 2013, Joy Logano, 2014, Joy Logano again in 2015, Kevin Harvick, 2016, and Martin Truex Jr. won in 2017. My picks. I'm not sure if I should go with a playoff driver or a non-playoff driver, but I am sure that I'm going to pick Kurt Busch because If you know, last week's episode was titled A Thing for Kurt Busch. I still have a thing for Kurt Busch in terms of winning. Don't misinterpret a thing to mean anything other than I feel as if Kurt Busch has it in him to win. I think I'm actually going to pick Kurt Busch as my winner and my alternative is going to be Kyle. So I'm going with Kurt and Kyle Busch as my winner and alternative at Kansas. Let us know who you guys have. You already know the drill. You can find us across the board on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Turns No Breaks. We are also on the World Wide Web at allturnsnobreaks.com. And there is the podcast which you are listening to right now. If you have not done so, please help us out. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Again, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Oh, and Google Play. Hit Google Play, Google us, Google us, Google us, and hit subscribe. And we will see you next week. And when I say we, that is Tam and Renee. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee.